Well, good evening. Um, I'm super excited about tonight and uh, about the privilege, uh, true privilege it is to introduce our speakers. Um, I think I first uh, got to know Paul uh, through a mutual friend of ours, uh, Father Mark Toops. Paul was a um, co-founder, I believe, in Adored Ministries down in Homa Thibodeau. I went down there to just hang out. And um, first time I saw Paul is he came out with uh, some white chalk, like some dust white chalk. I don't know if you remember this. It was like a LeBron James move. That was your intro to your speaking thing. Just came out. There's this, this civic center. You just like did the LeBron blow in the smoke and the it, it got my attention. I was I was there. I was with you. And then um, <laughs> then I got to uh, know Gretchen and their family. I've uh, been over at the house several times for meals and um, just a beautiful a beautiful family and witness. I'm excited to to hear the conversation that happens tonight. Um, let's start with Paul. Um, Paul Paul's just a man of God. Um, I know that's why Gretchen fell in love with him. Um, he's he's an he's an author, a recent author. He's a master's in theology. I'm, I'm super proud of that. Um, uh, they are uh, parents of five kids. Um, he's a coach. He has his own. Um, he's a partner in a business of just a leadership, just how to be a better um, human being, how to. Uh, just set values, and uh, he helps businesses just to kind of get direction, vision, mission, uh, core values, and different things like that. He's just a, a man who loves to serve others and help them connect with the Lord and connect with things they're passionate about. Um, and his wife, Gretchen, uh, a new agent for Keller Williams. So in case you're just interested in looking for a house or selling a house, cheap plug, but she's very incredible. Uh, they are incredible together, and... Um, I'm super excited to call them friends. Uh, they do ministry across the country, uh, especially lately um, as couples ministering to, to families and to couples and to marriages. Um, they've experienced the love of God in their own marriage in both a joy and healing. And so to offer that to other couples and other marriages is a gift that I know they enjoy doing. So um, I'm excited to have them here tonight. Um, hope you guys feel at home. Uh, without further ado, um, Paul and Gretchen George. Good evening. Uh, thanks for being here tonight. Uh, great topic, parenting. <laughs> You're like, yes, here we go. Uh, Father Michael, we've been knowing for years. Uh, uh, his, one of his first assignments, he lived near us. So uh, when he got bored and wanted to figure out what real life looked like, he would come over to our house and he would walk through the front door and he would walk straight to the laundry room. And he'd look at the piles of laundry and be like, so this is what it's like. And you're like, yeah, this is what it's like, you know. I so. do remember one time he walked in. There was stuff. I mean, I had scrammed to pick up. So the worst room was the laundry room, right? I just left it like that. And he was amazed. But he was walk, walking around going, wow, so this is what real. I'm like, father, I picked up. Like, this is good. Like, come on. Throw me a bone. Um, but we're really excited to be here with you all tonight. We have five kids. Our oldest is um, Marie. She's 22, engaged to be married this coming summer. So we're about to have a sixth, kind of, um, Matt, who's wonderful. And we have a 20-year-old son who's at LSU, a 19-year-old daughter who's at UL, a 15-year-old daughter who's at STM, and we have a four-year-old daughter. So um, life is very interesting. We kind of span all ages at this season, so we can relate to probably everyone out here, unless you have super adult children. Um, but we are really excited to be here. 
we are not here because we know all the answers and we have all the tricks to share with you. Um, we are just here because we want to share some things that we've learned with you along the way, some things that we're still learning as we go and as we journey along. And hopefully just to be real and honest with you about where we've gotten it wrong and what are some things that we want to keep hold on to. Yeah, so uh, the night we got married, um, <clears throat> I don't know how I got there. I had no business getting married. I was not prepared for it. Uh, but she said yes, and we're at our wedding reception. Uh, I'm from a small town, and uh, my uncle's a, an old judge, you know, and he's got that southern accent. He, you know, he had had a couple of old charters, and he walks up to me at our wedding reception, right? We had been married an hour. Uh, <clears throat> he walks up to me, and he goes, uh, I got one piece of advice for you. And I was like, all ears. I was like, here's a man of wisdom, you know. He's just going to, like, hand it to me, you know. I mean, he'd been married three times, so I figured he's got a lot <laughs> of advice for me. And he looks at me, and he goes, sell at 13, buy back at 22. And then he just walked away. And I had no idea what he was talking about, literally. I was like, that was the most confusing thing. How much did he have to drink until we had kids? And then I actually sold one of them. At 13, I was like literally to the lowest bidder. I was like, you could have them, you know, like they're yours. And uh, yeah, I remember you saying that because like parenting is one of the hardest things we'll ever attempt to do, honestly. Um, it, and it's not easy. And we're going to kind of go through that um, tonight and kind of just lean into the reality that we're not trying to create a perfect family with a perfect equation where a perfect ending will come out of, because we're not trying to achieve perfection, but holiness. So we can fall into the trap of thinking that there are perfect families out there, especially with social media, right? We can look at so-and-so's family and be like, oh, they're always just so happy and nice to each other. I can remember leaving this one particular family, friends of ours in Homa, and they had six girls. And every time we'd leave there, I'd be like, why can't y'all be nice to each other like they're nice to each other, you know? like. We were comparing ourselves. They were all girls. They had different per temperaments and personalities. Who knows what happened when we left and closed the door, right? But my poor kids had to, you know, listen to that kind of shaming, in a sense, of like, what's wrong with you people, right? Um, so there's no perfect families. Um, all kids, all parents, um, we are imperfect, and we fail, and we make mistakes, and we hurt each other. Um, and it's hard to admit sometimes, but... It's, it's the truth. And when we compare, um, it's crippling to us. It doesn't help us to get better. It helps us to sink deeper into a pit of, you know, shame. Um, so things aren't always what they appear to be. Our kids will make mistakes. They're gonna. And that will be embarrassing sometimes for us. And we will make mistakes. And that will be embarrassing for us. But... Um, so we're not perfect. There's no perfect families, but we are called, like Paul just said, to be holy families. Um, and if we aren't going to prioritize pouring into our kids and forming their minds and their hearts, um, the culture is going to step right in and do it for us. Their friends are going to step right in and do it for us. The world is going to step right in and do it for us. Their smartphones will go ahead and take that job from us. So if we sit back and passively and let the, the world um, or decide that the world or the culture are going to be the ones um, that are going to have the primary influence in our lives, that's one option. Or we can decide that we want to take an active role. Like we want to be the ones to pour into them. Either way, there's going to be a fight. 
So you got to decide, like, which way. But God is calling us to rise up and to raise saints. And it's easy to get stuck in the mediocrity of this is good enough or I'm too tired to do this. Or believe me, we can relate. But the call is the same, to, to be holy people, individuals, holy couples, holy families, and to raise saints, to go and change the world. Okay, I get emotional, but for random parts, you know, like, why was that choking me up? But anyway, um, so yes. Yeah. Matt. You know, it's interesting, you know, uh, the two hardest things we'll ever do in our life is be married and be a parent. And it's interesting to me is that those are the two things that we'll try to do alone. We won't ask other people to journey with us. We won't ask advice. We kind of just go home, close the garage door, and we'll start feeling isolated as a married couple, uh, as parents. We've often said this to ourselves. No one else is trying to do what we're trying to do. We just start to look inward when things get hard instead of calling on other people, community, our faith. But the reality is this, and the beautiful thing about this talk being during Advent, and, and I was thinking about this today, is that God comes to restore the family. God sends Jesus into the world through a beautiful woman into a family to restore family. I mean, this is the image that we have in Advent is that Jesus comes to restore new life through a family. Uh, in, in his humble circumstances, he could do nothing. He was raised by a mom and a dad, and he grew up. Values and faith were learned and worked. All those things were learned within a family. And so no matter where you come from, no matter what your background or whatever your experience is, uh, <clears throat> Jesus can restore your marriage and your family at all times and in all seasons. And that's, that's the beauty of it is that when we invite God into the middle of it, he can restore it all. Pope John Paul II said, or Saint John Paul II, I should say, the family is the center and the heart of the civilization of love and the first school of love. Just thought that was so beautiful. Like the first school of love is our families. Um, and God has entrusted our children, trusted us with our children. Um, so he's given to them, given us to them given them to us as a gift. And I was in a Bible study recently, and one of the women in our group was sharing about a particular struggle she was having with a particular child. And it really broke her heart because she felt like she had been impatient with him and ongoingly, you know, and I think we all kind of maybe have one kid that's harder for us um, at times. And she was going on and she was crying a little bit. And this other woman in our group who has no children, she's divorced and doesn't have any kids, spoke a word we all needed to hear. And she said, she said, God has given you, has chosen you to be the mother of your son. Nobody else, whether it's adoption or a biological child, God has chosen you to be their parent. He has equipped you, even though it feels like, I don't know what to do with this kid. I don't, I'm not equipped. He's not like me. He's not like my spouse. What do we do? God has entrusted him or her to you, and he has equipped you and chosen you um, for that task. So I just thought that was beautiful. So they're on loan to us from God. They don't belong to us. I wish we could say they did. Um, we're not meant to, like, you know, live vicariously through them, or there aren't a way for us to prove our worth to the world through our kids. Our job is simply to lead them to Christ. Simple, but it's difficult. 
Um, it takes time and it takes sacrifice. Um, because leading kids to God and to Christ is not what the world values. And if you choose to really dive in and, and do this to the best of your ability with the help of God, it will always mean going against the tide. And we don't want to do that. That's difficult. Our kids will hate us, right? Um, but the right choices are often, often feel like the weird countercultural choices, and they are. Um, we should not expect to be in the majority. We should expect to be in the minority when we're parenting God's way. Um, but if we lean in and do this with God's help, this is the key to the joy that we all desire in our families and in our lives, is doing it God's way, right? Not the world's way, but really stepping back and looking at what, how does God want us to do this? Um, so how do we do this? Yeah, we kind of come back to this word in our home. We talk about how do we parent with intention? Uh, when we first got married, uh, we moved to Arizona. We're both from Louisiana. Um, and so it was a big move for us. And then we had our first child out there. And Gretchen was teaching at the time. And so I had a day off and I had Marie and we were just at a park in, in Phoenix. And uh, <clears throat> this man walks up to me. I mean, she's like an infant in the stroller. And I didn't know what I was doing. I was just like trying to keep her from crying, you know. And, and uh, so I'm just walking through the park and this, this older gentleman just walked up to me. And he's like, I see you're raising a teenager. And I was like, man, you are on meth. I, I mean, I don't know what you're talking about. And I, no, he goes, uh, yeah, I see you're raising a teenager. And I was like, sir, I don't, excuse me. And he, go, and he just tapped me on the shoulder and he just walked off and he goes, it starts now. And I was like, I remember getting home just thinking like, that was the weirdest. And I began to think about it is like everything that I do for this child right now is not parenting this child right now. It's parenting this child for the future. Like, what do I want the end result to be? It was the first time I really started thinking about, like, what's, what's the end result for this, like, infant? What's the end result for the two-year-old? And what's the end result for the five-year-old? It's like we find ourselves with tunnel vision, oftentimes just fighting these little battles, and we're just exhausted. And oftentimes we forget uh, what the end is. What's the intention? Where do we want them to be down the road? So we want to talk about three main ways, and we'll have different points under each, each way. But first of all, to grow in holiness as a family or to parent with intention, um, we need mission clarity. We need, pro we need to remember progress, not perfection. And we need to remember that we are the primary formators of our children. So we'll just break those down. Yeah, so what's mission clarity? You know, it's interesting to me, like, when I go to, like, companies and businesses all the time, it's like they have a, a mission statement. And if they don't have a mission statement, they're creating one. And if they have one that's not, un not understandable, they're redoing their mission statement and their core values. And then you go into someone's home and you're like, hey, what's your mission statement? And we're like, we, what are you talking about? We don't have a mission statement. Like we're just waking up, pop our head off the pillow. We just go through our day, knock it down at night, kick back a glass of wine, wake up and do it the next day. Like we just circle back and do that all over again. Before we know it, we have no idea where we're going or what we're doing, right? You ever feel that way? Like that's our life. Right? Like we're raising five kids, planning a wedding. Who knows? We got a five-year-old, you know, way down the line. We're just like, ah, you know, it's like how do you actually bring clarity to your mission, right? 
I haven't known a lot in life, but I've always known the end result for a lot of that. When we got married, I didn't know how to be married. I came from a divorced home. I, I didn't learn a lot growing up when it came to, like, the human side of, like, living life and being married and loving another human. I had a lot of work to do, but I knew the end. I wrote Gretchen's parents a little letter because I had to convince them to let me to marry her because I know they were like, what is she thinking? You know, so I was like, let me write him a letter. And I wrote him a letter, and I said just simply in the letter that I can only make one promise. We won't be rich. I have no idea. Like, I don't know what kind of car she's going to drive. or I have no idea. But I can make one promise. I'm going to get your daughter to heaven. Love, Paul. And that was the letter I gave him. We got to know the end result. We got to know where we're going. And our goal, our mission is to get our kids and our spouses to heaven, plain and simply. Like, if you want it to be something else, you got to own it. But as a Christian, like, that's our ultimate end. That's our ultimate goal. You know, it all came into, like, effect is, like, my daughter was dating and now engaged. And I was like, how do I know this guy's like, the right person for her? I was like, well... If he understands the mission, then I'll keep him around. So we go to lunch, and I was, was getting serious, and I said, you know, uh, Matt, I was like, I know this is going somewhere, and you guys are starting to talk about, like, getting married and maybe getting engaged a little bit down the road. And um, I was like, I just got one, one thing to ask of you that you're dating and want to marry my daughter. You know, I could come up with a whole list, man. Like, you got to have a degree, and you got to, you know, support her, and you got to make some money, and you got to be a little bit better than I was starting out. And, like, my gosh, dude, uh, like, you know, all these things, like your hygiene, get it up. Like, like we got to work. We got some, you know, we got some things we got to work on. Do you hunt, too? Because that's a, you know, checkbox, you know. It's like, I, and I can go, but I, one thing. That's all I said, look, I just have one thing. It's on the top of my list. And I said, I just want you to get Marie to heaven. And if you can do that, you can marry her. That's all I got. That's it. <clears throat> Paid for lunch, left. A few months later, he calls me to come have the talk. And he sits down. He says, I've been thinking about a lot what you said. And he goes, I want to get Marie to heaven. You can marry her. It's the only thing I asked. That's the mission. That's the clarity that we need. That when we get focused on all the little things that are like killing us each day, we kind of know where we're going down the road. Okay, another part of our mission is what we just talked about is to be holy. And I think like when we hear holy, be, being a holy family, I think we might get hung up on what we think a holy family means. Maybe that means that family play, prays a rosary every night. Maybe that means that family has 10 kids. Maybe we have these ideas in our head of what holiness looks like. But I think we have to just zoom out for a minute and not look at what we perceive to be holiness and simplify that definition. Like um, St. Teresa's of um, Lisieux said, St. Therese of Lisieux said, um, to do small things with great love. Her, her vocation at last was to love, simplicity. Like she was this holy doctor of this the church, right? And she did it in such a simple yet profound way. 
Um, holiness is Christ in us. Holiness is imitating Jesus and doing what he asks us to do, being empty so he can fill us, right? These are the definitions we have to rewire our brains to understand holiness as. It's surrender. It's surrendering ourselves as our, a mom, as a dad, surrendering our kids, and asking him to do it through us. We can't on our own. We don't have what it takes, honestly. But God through us, that's how we have what it takes. And if you were to step back and think of your day as a parent, as a mom or a dad, and the daily crucifixions that you endure, the ways that you have to die to yourself, sacrifice your own wants and needs to tend to the, the people God has entrusted to you, you would realize that this is what holiness is. You already are holy, and you can continue to grow in that by offering up those little things to him as a sacrifice, as a way to be holy, to be more like him, to imitate his virtues, his character, by growing in character um, yourself. So we came up with a family mission statement, just FYI. It's super complicated. I want to share it with you. And maybe, like, you can, like, one day be like us. So I've, I synthesized it, you know, and I brought it down. And I know you're going to think, how did they come up with this? This is pretty impressive. So our mission statement on our fridge is uh, love God and love others. There it is. That's our mission statement. Like, it's, it's clear, it's simple, and our core values for our family are to live by faith, hope, and joy. Like, that's it. And, and, and there it is. It's like that. That's our mission statement. But to love God and to love others is, is to love God and to, like, try to love God and, like, fail in loving God and letting your kids see that. And loving others, loving the people in your own home and then loving your spouse. I always say this is that the greatest gift that you can give your kids, greatest gift more, more than anything, more, more than money, more than education, uh, more than, you know, like whatever you, you're thinking, the greatest gift that you can give your kids is to love their mother or to love their father. That's the greatest gift, hands down. See, what happens though is that when we don't love their mother or their father, it, because your kids, just a little science here is that they're two people with two DNA and they're, they're half of you and half of the other. You, okay, you guys are all with us on that. Uh, when you don't love their mother or love their father, what you're saying is that part of you, there's something wrong with that part of you. Take it from me, from a divorce home, my parents fought, they, they didn't like each other, they said horrible things about each other. I'd look in the mirror and I'd think, there must be something wrong with me, because my DNA is right there in both of them. And the greatest gift that I can give is trying to love her the best I can. I fail at it, certainly, and, and, and vice versa. Because what it speaks to them is that you're loved, too. Now, you could be divorced. You could still love their mother or their father if you are divorced. You could still be charitable and loving towards their parent. The next is this. Uh, this is our second point. And we constantly remind ourselves of this, is that we're making progress. We're not trying to achieve perfection, okay? Uh, there's two times in your life as an adult where everything from your past will resurface. Everything, the good, the bad, and the ugly. When you get married, right, you realize like you got married and like you're living with another imperfect person in a very small space and like all your stuff starts to kind of come out. Are we the only ones that's happened to? Right, like all your issues, all your things. But yeah, marriage is, is, a, is a sacrament. It, it's 
calls us to be holy. So it brings out all the good things and all the bad things. It, it helps to clear out so that we can get better. Like, but when we choose not to, that's when we begin to kind of butt heads, right? And the next time it begins to kind of resurface is when we have children. It starts to bring up all these things from our own childhood. I often say this is that the starting point of our parenting is as good or bad or happy or sad as our childhood, as our upbringing. And that's kind of our starting point. It's not our end point because God redeems us. God saves us. God heals us. God makes us whole, right? Our kids can give us the opportunity to actually grow in holiness personally ourselves. I mean, you ever looked at one of your kids and you like, you see yourself and you're like, oh, Lord, right? Like, right? And have you ever gone after one of your kids and you're like, I'm, that was just like my own dad or my mom, right? Like, and you start to have like, and those are opportunities in our own life to begin to re actually receive God's healing in our life through our family. That's the beauty of it, right? It's hard, but that's the beauty of it. And it feels painful and it feels like we want to avoid it at all costs. But if we will just embrace those hard moments, if we will just embrace those things that come up and that trigger us, if we were to say, hmm, that was like a 10 reaction and it should have been like a three. So maybe I need to look at that because that keeps happening. You know, God wants to heal us. Jesus loves us so much. He wants us to be fashioned. I mean, he created us in his image, but we have to be formed into his like fashion, into his likeness, right? We have to be transformed and continue to change and be, you know, um, sculpted in a sense into who he created us to be and so i think we've been tried to be like a catalyst for each other too if we see each other not to say you need to look at that you know you got some healing to do but you know if there's she a she has said that to me before <laughs> don't let yeah. her get off on a pass like she has like made that comment maybe i have but you've taught me to handle it in a really good way <laughs> Like to come apart from the situation that I shared. And sometimes it's not even about us or about our kids. One time there was this other, completely other situation. And he said, I can tell you've been struggling with that for quite some time. Um, you know, I wonder if there's more there that you might want to ask Jesus about, you know. And the way that he said it was, there was so much love in his voice. Like he's trying to help me get to heaven, right? And I'm doing the same for him, maybe not as well. But, um, you know, like, and that was exactly what I needed to do. I couldn't let go of something. Why couldn't I let go of it? Jesus, show me why I cannot let go of this. Why is it stealing my peace? Right? Because God wants to set us free. We're never done until we're in heaven. We're never done with the healing journey. And it shouldn't be drudgery. Like, oh, i got to look at this. i got to look at that. There should be a level of joy because you know after the cross, what is there? Resurrection. Like just walk through it because there's life on the other side. There's freedom on the other side. There's more of who we're supposed to be on the other side. We're more like Jesus. And that's what we want to be, right? Okay. Um, but the thing that I really want to say too is that progress, not perfection. We're not doing this alone, this parenting thing. Maybe you don't have a spouse that's in a similar place, or maybe you're not, you're divorced or whatever, but we have the Holy Spirit. He promised he would never leave us, right? He's always there to guide us, to give us tips about a certain kid, how we should handle a certain situation, how we could love an impossible to love kid. You know, our son in high school was, felt impossible to love him at times, um, but we, we pressed through, right? And we asked the Holy Spirit to help us. 
um, so that we could bear his, his fruits, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. We wanted those fruits. We asked for those fruits. We still do. This is the key to parenting, to remember we don't do it alone. God has given us so many things, the sacraments, confession, when we blow it, to, to go and seek him and reconciliation so that we can be free and receive the grace to go and sin no more. The Eucharist, the source and the summit of our faith to give us the grace to be love, to be love to our kids, to our spouse, to the world. Um, he's not left us alone. The saints, and we pray for a particular saint, um, ask for their prayers for, you know, each kid. And then sometimes if they're going through something, we'll find another saint that's, you know, gifted in praying in that area to intercede for our child. Like we have so many resources. Um, other parents, we reach out for advice and help from other parents. We don't know what to do, we're stuck, help. Have you ever been in this situation? Um, so just remembering that we're not alone and to call on the Holy Spirit because God will never leave us or forsake us. Yeah, and then the third, um, just because we wanna begin to wrap up and uh, get to a time of prayer and adoration is that we are meant to be our child's primary formators, human formation and faith formation in our home. Uh, we can certainly partner with schools and other things, but we are the domestic church, like our home. And that's really hard, like, like how do we do that? And we, we call it our five, like the five things that we focus on that just kind of like, let's just try to do these uh, very simply, okay? And we, in with those practical ones and then we'll, we'll close out um, so we can get to our time of adoration. So um, here are our five. So dinner, family dinner. And that, this got really hard um, when we had two in high school. It got hard when we had little ones. It's that's never true. been easy. But there is a trend going on in society where people just don't eat together, they don't have dinner together. And it's really kind of crazy because everything, particularly as Catholics, as sacramental, revolves around a meal. Like all of our faith formation revolves around a table. So the same table we come to mass in is the same table at home. I know it's crazy. Like we have to schedule dinner, like with our kids' schedules. I mean, we got iCals flying around. We got invites. We got like, you name it, we, we're flying in people. Like we're just like the logistics just to have dinner together, right? And we just started with our small because at so much chaos happens around the table. Conversations, fights, uh, formation, like everything is just like around there. And maybe you just need to schedule one a week or whatever, like you, but it has been like, we see the end result now, like as our kids, we have three out of the house now and uh, we see it. Uh, so, so dinner, like yes. just dinner. They used to want to jump up as soon as they were done eating, may I be excused. And now we linger at the table for a very long time, usually just talking, they love it. And that's one of their favorite things about growing up, even though it was really hard at times. Um, we just tried to make it a priority, no phones, um, just going around, we do high-low. You recently heard from a priest, woo-boo, what did God do? So you could go around and each share your high-low of the day and wh where you saw God, so. So our five are dinner, uh, prayer, um, which, you know, we overcomplicated it early on. Then this little nun uh, taught us uh, how she found her vocation was kind of what James and Kristen did earlier. Uh, they go around, one thing you're thankful for, one thing you need to pray for. And then I would close the prayer with a Hail Mary, praying for each one's uh, vocation. Lord, I just pray for our kids' vocation, their future, 
and we end with a Hail Mary. Uh, because before that, I was dragging kids outside, throwing out spankings during <laughs> prayer time. I mean, we had people kneeling on rice. I mean, we were strangling kids with rosaries. I mean, it was like chaos. Like, I, we were like, we got to either shut this down or figure out another method. And so this nun saved our life, you know. So, uh, um, so just simple prayer and mass. Like, if you just do those two things. And, like, I'm telling you, like, the grace from those two things will, will begin to flow. Time is our third one intentional time with each kid and I'm not talking about like phone I'm not talking I'm talking about like start doing dates with your kids like how you doing awkward conversations like just really awkward like you just sit there look at each other you're just like hey hey we ain't going nowhere we're going to talk you know like just like time you know like so now my kids are older they'll call me be like hey we haven't had a date I was like you paying you know like what uh so uh uh fun and leisure uh, like we try to have fun and just try to push through even if our teenagers like hate us want to shoot us want to kill us like uh, you just kind of push through. Uh, that's our fourth one and the fifth one, uh, and is the most hardest. It, the hardest is discipline, like to be consistent in discipline, and that's the one uh, that we often don't want to do because we want to be our kids' friends. But the reality is, is that friendship happens later on, not when they're in your house. Okay, um, we're there to form them and lean into them. Anyway, um. and I do want to say too, part of forming your kids um, a lot in the elementary years, a lot of it is intentional. Like you're teaching them, they're open, they're listening to you, they want to hear what you have to say. You could teach them scripture, you could tell them about different saints, different whatever. Um, take them to adoration, pray the rosary, you know, all those things. Um, but when they get into middle school, it gets harder. You know, they start to question the things that you've told them. But just to listen to them, to not um, shame them for having doubts about the faith, let them talk, be calm, um, and, and let them share. And they'll come, they'll come around, you know. Um, and then when they get the, to the high school years, um, they're done listening to you for a little while. Like, they think they know it all, but you model. Your role is to model to them. You know, our kids are having prayer times, our older kids, because they saw us getting up early to have our prayer times in the morning. It was just modeling. We never said, y'all should have prayer times. Come on, let's work this out. Maybe we should have, but we didn't. They just saw us doing it, and so now they're doing it um, by the grace of God. So if you want them to be kind, then you be kind. If you want them to be patient, then you be patient. If you want to, them to treat others with respect, then you treat others with respect, on and on and on. Um, it's hard, and we're going to get it wrong, but to practice saying, I'm sorry, I got it wrong. Maybe I, I don't regret what I said, but I regret the way that I said it. I should have never said, said that to you in that tone or whatever. And then, and then reconcile with the Lord. I'm sorry, Lord, I messed up. Give me the grace to do better tomorrow. Um, and to measure the holiness of our family, not by what the world thinks is holy or what this will look like to the outside world, but to, is this what God is asking of me? Did I love well today? If I did, thank you, Jesus. If I didn't, Lord, give me the grace tomorrow to do better. Help me. I can't do this without you. Amen. Um, we're going to just close real quick with a prayer. We're going to lean in that. Right, just so you know, Gretchen prepared a seven-hour series <laughs> on parenting uh, for, for you guys. And uh, we tried to decipher it into 30 minutes tonight so she would keep going flipping through these pages crying every 30 seconds but uh 
I'm going to save us all from that. You want to know uh, more? Just come and find me. Let us sit in the presence of Jesus. Um, but um, I, I do want to close with this. Uh, one of the things Gretchen mentioned, it, and I want to ask you this Advent to pray uh, for this specific. Uh, ask specific saints to uh, intercede and pray for your kids and, like, pray who that saint should be. Uh, they ain't got nothing else to do. They have nothing else to do with their life but pray. So, like, like attach these saints to your kids and just ask them when you can't parent them or pray for them or you, you, you like, we can't, like, just have these saints just, like, pouring, pouring, pouring uh, on them. And so, like, we have been very intentional, and we've seen, like, changes in our own life and our own marriage and in our kids. Like, so this Advent, like, just ask specific saints to, like, latch on, be like, look, put them in an arm bar and, and hold on to them. Don't let them go and just pray for them um, because, like, powerful things will begin to happen uh, because that's what the saints do for us. Um, so why don't we just close with a prayer, and then I'll hand it off to start adoration. Heavenly Father, we thank you and we praise you for this evening. It's for allowing us to just to be together, uh, just to know that, Lord, that you have given us a great responsibility, but not to do it alone. You give us the grace that we need, the spirit. <clears throat> and we just pray, Lord, that tonight we can just be empowered, renewed, refreshed, uh, just to be intentional about forming our family and getting each other to heaven. And Lord, we just pray for all the saints to intercede for our families, specifically for our kids, for our marriages. Lord, that any attack from the enemy on our kids or our marriages, like that the saints would just form like a, just a wedge around us. That, that no weapon formed against us will prosper, not, not one. And in the name of Jesus, that we claim, we claim our marriages and our families, our kids for you. Just thank you, Jesus. And pray.